0: Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. will provide a raw, fun, and not-so-average perspectives on important everyday issues.
1: So tune in every month with Liz, Mania,
0: Monica, and
1: Katie. Let's get started.
0: Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in. This episode is our last and final episode of this month. If you haven't already listened, we recently released a mini-series of four episodes where we sat down with our partners and talked about what their perspectives were as male allies in terms of solving gender-based violence and what healthy relationships look like. So in this episode, we Really want to take some time to reflect on those conversations and also dive deeper into what um, some of the latest domestic violent incidents in the Hmong communities have been and how they've impacted us, and also really dive deeper into what are some solutions that we can act on in terms of ending gender based violence and supporting survivors. And so, to start off, if folks aren't aware, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And it first began in 1981 by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence as a Day of Unity. Uh, they had three goals in mind, which were to mourn those who have died because of domestic violence, celebrate survivors of domestic violence, and to connect domestic violence advocates across the country.
2: Before we move on, we just wanted to back up and talk a little bit about what domestic violence or DV is and what it isn't. For folks who who may have questions, want to find with advocate, you know, we know DV isn't just a rough patch in your relationship or you know like a, a an argument right um, maybe about laundry or whatever it's it's a pattern of behavior and actions that may start out as normal or small but you know it, it's it's behavior that happens again and you know can escalate and become dangerous ultimately right DV is power and control whether it's physical sexual emotional or even financial Wanna yeah i think in? that's a
3: really good description of what domestic violence is um through my research like that i've also included you know um a partner acting in a way that makes the other person afraid that they mm-hmm. might be physically harmed yeah. um so i think there's also that fear factor into um in, in the relationship right
1: yeah, I think that like frames it perfectly what domestic violence is and isn't. I know this week, this month, we started with four mini podcast series with our partners and each and every one of us recorded. How did that go? And what were your key takeaways from those recordings?
2: I was pleasantly surprised. It was nice. <laughs> <for a while. laughs> Me too. I, mean, I, just, I didn't know this about Sid, Um, that, you know, his mom, they lived in this huge apartment complex and obviously like... Uh, walls are always really thin. You always kind of, like, know, like, oh, like, so-and-so, like, abuses their wife and stuff. So Mm -hmm. his mom, you know, would go on home visits and bring him along sometimes. And, you know, she'd bring food and she'd go visit the woman and, you know, console them and stuff, right? Like, it was just something that he remembered distinctly from his childhood. And he was probably, you know, eight, Mm -hmm. nine, ten. So, deep. Yeah.
0: I think, like, Liz, for me, I was pleasantly surprised and another like growing moment for me and in my my relationship with Nick and I I learned a lot of new things I didn't know about him before because you know it's not like we sit down every day to talk about serious issues or about like things that happened to us in our past so yeah I mean I think I, I was just really like grateful for the opportunity and that he was willing to be that vulnerable with me you know and and to be that open with strangers online and obviously you know nick's not Hmong, so our conversation was a little different and he couldn't speak to the you know experiences that i had but i think overall we agreed and that like dv domestic violence like transcends like all communities and of course it's not just unique to to Hmong folks and and it was really enlightening so i don't know how how much deeper we want to go but maybe my, yeah, you you want to
3: No, I thought it was really interesting to hear these conversations and really what they feel like are viable solutions to Mm -hmm. preventing domestic violence in general, right? I I mean, it was really fun recording with Tong. I I I think I was also like trying to pull more information from him, right? Like to really get to the solutions and what, I mean, what he thought the solutions were. And I, I feel like I had to really get that out from the conversation that we had, you know, I think I, I kind of expected like macro solutions, or I expected bigger solutions. But for him, like, actually, a solution is to continue to have these conversations and to change the hearts and minds of people um, through these small conversations and standing up against domestic violence, right. So I, I thought that was one of the key takeaways for me.
1: For me and myself, I mean, I think it's just like, being able to sit down and have like a conversation. And not that saying that my husband and I, we don't have conversation, but is that with like our busy work schedules and stuff like that, we miss these things and just actually have a deep conversation that involves a man and a woman within our own community. And just to reevaluate our relationship and set things that are like positive and to reaffirm that and to have that support, you know, I know I'm very fortunate, you know, we mentioned that in our discussion, but it's like, wow, you know, it takes a lot to actually take a step back and realize. That a lot of people don't have that, and they need to see what a healthy relationship looks like, or like you know they yes. need to get out of that, and um, just to really let our male counterpart have a platform too, and know that they're backing us up and they support us is what what's the most and best takeaway that I can take from this conversation.
0: Totally agree with that, and I just want to echo and give accolades to you, Manya and Tong for like being really real and raw. And I think it was just so different and so heartening and reassuring that we do have, you know, Hmong male allies. And we and and there are our partners, right? Or just people who also recognize the pain and the, the anguish that like Hmong women are going through. There was one part when he talked about, you know, wanting to be better than his father. And even though he loves his father and he knows his father is a flawed man, he's like, I'm okay with the haters saying that, like, I got daddy issues or whatever, because clearly he doesn't. <laughs> which I still think is the the most ridiculous, like, conclusion. It's the dumbest comeback. It's the, yeah, it's the dumbest and like ridiculous conclusion from a from that like message that he was trying to send. Of all things that you caught on, you have said you think he has daddy issues by by asserting that he wants to be better and, and you know, I think it, it took a lot of, it takes a lot of courage. So I really commend Tong and you for you bringing, being able to bring out that perspective because, yeah, like I didn't realize it, but like, you know, we do, we love and we honor and we like nurture our parents, right? Like me, Liz, and all of us have really talked about how much we owe it to our parents and our family members for our upbringing. But dude, they are flawed people and we do want to be better, right? No matter how good. And and it's okay that
3: we want to be better than them for future generations for our kids right right
0: because like yeah definitely our our parents were not perfect you know there are definitely a lot of like traumatic things that i think we've experienced that we haven't talked about yet but and and of course that doesn't take away from all the goodness that they've done but yeah like i think we should all strive to be better you know because we know we're not perfect human beings right like i hope my kids you know i can raise them to be good human beings and be better than me right in the future i just thought that was like really, really, impo- like, powerful to say. And when we do share our resources, I hope people look and see and, like, just reading all how ridiculous these comments are. And, and I, like, also i mm-hmm. am grateful for all the, like, people who stepped up and, like, supported Tong.
1: Right. I only, I mean, it takes a real man to realize what the issues are and to correct that. I mean, if you're just going to let it repeat itself, you're no better than what it was. So, this is the best thing we have in our generation is to take what we like and what we don't like from what has happened to us or what we have seen and correct that for the future. I think it was a great mini podcast episode with my Nye and Tong. Yeah. But let's talk about the three murder suicides we've had in the last month from the span of September to October. How do you guys feel about that? And what do you guys have to say about that?
0: it is really heartbreaking and really infuriating. I don't know about how everyone else feels, but man, when i read some of these responses and i know i should never I, like never go, comments, comments,
3: yeah. Yeah. never go into the comments.
0: Never go into the comment section guys, but man, the responses of like these people and how they frame the victims of these murder suicides, like especially, you know, the woman who've been killed it's beyond
3: in what ways do you want to um, share a little bit about that in case our reader? Uh, our, yeah. I, mean, our I think audience
0: mostly um, you know, everyone like more is mourning like still mourning I'm sure and grieving over the, the incidents. But since we know women have been primarily the victims of these um murder suicides and like, we we've had only a handful of Hmong men speak up. Right. And th- I think the responses to those messages have just been really infuriating because everyone's most of the responses that i've seen have been oh not all Hmong men are like this you know you can't call out all Hmong men for being bad or for being perpetrators or being bystanders because we're not all bad or that there are bad women and bad men but i'm like there are no bad women killing the dudes you know
2: like like we're not hearing stories of mong men dying because you know mong women are
1: like And or like just the excuses, you know, to like justify the killing, like, oh, yeah, she deserved it because she cheated or like that's why you shouldn't cheat. Bitch, it don't fucking matter what the hell she did. Okay, there is no excuse to kill somebody because that's a person that's a that's a mother, that's a sister, that's a fucking life. And there's other solutions. Hello, guys. There's divorce. There's other... There's separation. There's other... Plenty of fucking fishes in the sea. You don't have to be with that person. And whatever fucking feelings you're feeling, yeah. if you can't control your feelings, then you need fucking help. You right. know? Don't take it out on someone else.
3: And I feel like all of these responses are so rooted in patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it okay for... Men, mong men to cheat to marry second third fourth wives and have their wives be okay with that like their wives are not killing them mm-hmm. for marrying a second wife or a third <laughs> wife okay if if um there are bad women i mean bad women and men why is it that my women haven't had a revolution you know like a, why hasn't there been a revolution to kill these men who have cheated on them and who have uh married additional wives right so i feel like all of these responses are so rooted and patriarchy meaning that it is okay for men to do these things to hurt mong women and to expect mom women to be okay with to, ooh, right? yeah, to like, be okay and, with these decisions yeah. that the men are making right to be honest like i I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be honest about this. I didn't read about these three murder suicides that happened because I just feel like they're they're just gonna be too triggering for me. Um, and I know that things haven't changed. Like I started doing my own research on domestic violence when I was um an undergrad in 2012, right? And it's 2019, and we are still hearing about these murder suicides. And for me, I feel like I don't need to read about these cases because they're still so similar. Like whatever happened between that couple it escalated where the man thought that the only solution left was to kill her and then kill himself and leave these kids behind so i'm just gonna be honest i didn't read them it's It's just a selfish
1: fucking act that's what it is you know no one else other than them doing what they feel that's best for everyone else
0: yeah i mean i think you Katie, hit
2: it right that it's very selfish but i think that there's Right, goes going back to to my Nia's part like there are a lot of cues within like our, our culture and our tradition that make it okay to be like well, all these bad acts from women like justify this mm-hmm. right like I, I will say like it wasn't until I was in college when like Chris Brown beat up Rihanna and stuff where I realized holy shit like my whole like frame of reference like and my whole just like philosophy was, wow women must do something to deserve this right because someone's like well rihanna must have done something really bad so like to deserve what chris brown did to her right he must she must have triggered him and it took my you know gay friend slash colleague at the newspaper to be like no hell no right like it doesn't matter what she might have done you control your action you can choose not to beat someone you can choose not to kill someone right you can choose your own reaction to whatever, you know, bad or evil thing they did, right? And like people have to be held accountable yes. for their
1: own action. Yeah. Right, definitely. I mean, we were all taught that as a kid. I mean, if you don't like something, walk away or something, you know, it's like put get yourself out of that situation if you know that you can't control yourself anymore. And that's what's wrong. It's because there is no self-control. That's why these incidents happen.
0: In in these incidents though, right? Like it half the time, if not the majority of the time, these women have tried to escape and have tried to leave their these relationships, right? Like these marriages or what you know, partnerships that they were in, and they still ended up being harmed or killed. And I, I think that's like the biggest thing. And reading through all of these lists, like this list of names of women who've been killed or murdered by their partners, like spanning from like 1995 till just this past month, right? Like we've had over 35 cases or incidents of where Hmong women and children and or their allies and partners have been killed in the line of like their their estranged husbands or ex-husbands coming after them. It is so frustrating. Like I I don't know why or how like this continues to happen right like liz i i used to also think right like oh maybe these women did something that warranted this kind of treatment right that allowed or that justified their like their treatment by their husbands and i I don't think i realized it until when our our cousin was killed in 2013 and her brother was Mm -hmm. killed also in the process of trying to protect her from her estranged husband at the time. And we went to the funeral. I think I was still, a, I think I was a junior in college because it happened in 2013. And like, everyone was, you know, in monk culture, like trying to figure out who's going to pay for her funeral and who's going to pay for the, the, her brother's funeral. And, and then also, cause they had to, since her husband killed her like, and killed himself, like who was going to worry about him. And I'm just like, like there are no words to describe that. Right. And, and, I don't know, like I don't know why I, it hits me so hard because, like, I've never had to go through that. But like, thinking about all of these women and all of these people who've had to, like, you know, go through it, like, it fucking sucks. And like, mm-hmm. then to hear all of these responses online about how, oh, you know, among men aren't all like this, dude. Like, this is not about you. This is about the lives of women who are lost and children. Like, literally. I counted like 15 children were killed in the process of all of these cases, right? That span like five different families. It's, it's not okay. And like, it is time for like men to speak up, whether you're part of the problem or like not, you're inherently part of the problem if you're not speaking up and if you're not calling out the bullshit and if you're not holding other people accountable. And we know our dads and our brothers and our uncles and our grandpas know that this shit is happening. We know they have the power to influence others and make a difference right time to fucking step the fuck up no more of this not all among men are bad or not all among men are you know abusers like we fucking know that dude like do you need an award just to be a good person you know <laughs> dude it's i don't know how anyone cannot not be this enraged you know and like who's gonna speak up for all these women who've been killed and all these children who's been lost
3: yeah, no, Great. Monica, I appreciate you being, I appreciate your vulnerability. And you know, th- this, this passion because we all like we all need that. And to me, it's a reminder, because I think that because I've seen it so much, yeah. I sometimes become numb to mm-hmm. it, because I know it's gonna happen. And that's why it's so hard for me to even look at yeah. the articles about the three murder suicides, right? So I think that this conversation is also a reminder that like we can do something about it. When I was um, recording with Tong, I I was like, oh, like this is um, this is encouragement that mm-hmm. that there are solutions right. to it. Because when you just see us so much, it takes so much energy and so right. much heart, like heartbreak and mm-hmm. to 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 feel like there's an end to this issue. Right. So.
1: Or that there's a solution yeah. to these problems. But I mean, it's an ongoing thing. And the first step is to bring awareness, is to have these discussions, you know, and like talk mm-hmm. about all the shit that we, we've heard and the things that we grew up listening. I mean, like, I'm sure I'm a, I wasn't the only one who sat in on like these clan meetings as a little child running <laughs> in to grab um, our sodas or our pop or whatever, yep. right? And you and you hear, oh, ocean day, or you know, hold on, have a big heart, it will pass. No, it doesn't fucking pass. Okay, look at what fucking happened.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I think that's an excellent point. Because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I thought about this last night, because so I've always been interested in, um, you know, going to law school and legal systems, right. And I've always heard, like, you know, we, Hmong folks have, like, their own, like, ways of, like, governing each other, right? Like, even before, like, 18 clan council, you know, like, whatever, right? Like, (laughs) we are actually supposed to be, like, great mediators, right? Like, when we have, like, weddings, like, we have, like, negotiations Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I think, you know, and this goes back to kind of our conversation about the bride price. Like, Mm -hmm. I think if we gave our daughters um, the benefit of the doubt and not, like, you know, the husband Mm because he's male and, you know, maybe things would be different, right? Because we do have our own systems of managing abuse, of managing domestic violence. It's just like, the question is like, why doesn't it work, right? Like, they don't work. Yeah.
1: It doesn't work because those people who advocate for those victims aren't people who they want to advocate for them. It's like, it's right. not like I'm going to pick my girlfriend to come talk for me who knows me best. This is like a great uncle from the third side across the country who I've met two times in my life going to yeah. speak up or, for me. Like, or, right,
2: like... Our, our culture is rooted in patriarchy and other thing is mm-hmm. like our family is too ashamed to admit that right because I, mm-hmm. I thought it was i was like if more dads were willing to be like this is my daughter like you can't beat her you can't do these things to her right and, and like like actually maybe having our like you know our traditions and customs like you know be upheld to like the idea that they're supposed to be then maybe things would be different right mm-hmm. if, if our uncles we're like, oh, you know, like we love her and you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like maybe things would be different, right? Because I think about this a lot. And I think our cousin who died was like our age, right? Was she 27 got married, I think,
0: when, she was, when she was killed. Her brother was 18.
2: Yeah. So she, my, she was like my I'm 27 and, and to right me, now. me, like, it's scary. But I was like, oh, you know, like, I, I, I wonder sometimes because like my, you know, my uncle, like I know he loves his kids and he's also very traditional and he's, you know, like a, a figure in the community. But I, you know, I always wonder, like, if it mattered to be like, for her to be like, oh, you know, like my dad is like, you know, a respected elder in the community. Like you can't do this mm-hmm. to me. Right. Like if but,
3: we had stood up for her. Right? But and- don't you think that they say that in these clan meetings though? I feel like these men are saying, hey, you can't, Physically abuse the, your partner. You have to be good to her, but then the behavior still continues, still continues. Yes. and then they right, back right. to these clan And then the solution is always to hey, work it out. Right. Be patient, as much yeah, This be goes patient. back to the shame. Like why why is it shameful to be a divorcee, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we have to like take away that so, stigma. So I feel like, like right, like yeah, if it so, doesn't work out, then yeah, it, doesn't work, it out. doesn't work out, right? But I feel like that solution from these clan meetings is to always go back and try to make things work for the wife to be patient. Everybody knows that abuse is wrong. I do feel like in these clan meetings they are telling this partner yeah, the guy I agree. to not to abuse his wife right. So I feel like it's there and it, it's the behavior that that is not changing, but it's also the system like you yeah, mentioned the there's no consequences. Ever- yeah, there's no consequence. Mm-hmm. No that we forces that it's okay for you to continue. Or to they don't want the consequence,
2: which is okay, you know, we're we're separating like this is a divorce, right? Because mm-hmm. like you can't keep doing this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Where like I think if we were less ashamed about, mm-hmm. you know, having daughters as divorcees, then like, that's okay. Cause I will say like my greatest fear is getting divorced. I tell yeah. people that all the time yeah. because this is what I've grown up.
1: Divorce just means that no, right? you get well, to do Come, come on.
2: my mom taught me. And I think she'll be fine being like, and, and not that she ever told me this explicitly, right? But like, I to me, like whether I'm married like a Hmong person or not, like one of my greatest shames would probably be to be divorced mm-hmm. because that means like I fucked up. Like yeah, I picked yeah. the wrong person. Oh well, you know, my like gosh,
1: Liz, if you fucked up and <laughs> you got divorced, You can move in with me, okay? (laughs) Nobody (laughs) wants to accept you. You can move in with me. they send you back, oh. come to me.
2: There's these implicit things that we grow up with, yeah. right? And yep. in, in our culture, where I'm like, even me, like, not kind of caring, maybe not marrying Hmong person, I'd be like, shit. Like, if I got divorced,
3: that mm-hmm. would be the most embarrassing, shameful thing
2: mm-hmm. to
3: ever happen. I mean, we really need to deconstruct that. Yeah. We really need to, you know, end that stigma against yeah. being a divorced woman in the Hmong community. Because sometimes, honestly, that's the solution. I mean, that's one of the solutions where you're going to be able to get away from an abusive partner. Yep. And yeah. that's okay. We need to accept that. Yep. Um, that's my number one I think that family, it, man. You got
0: to have those open know, doors.
3: Yeah. And I was just going to say this. I think sometimes it's easy easy for mom men to detach themselves from the issue, right? Because, you know, they know that they're probably abusing their partner or their wives, and, but they're still a part of these clan meetings telling the other guy to not <laughs> abuse his wife, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes it's easy for them to detach themselves from, mm. oh, like I'm the abuser. I think it's easier for them to separate themselves from that identity as an abuser because they probably don't think they're an abuser, yeah. right? Right. Because yeah. like,
0: no one's told them There's, that it's wrong, right? Like, or even, no, they, have, even they, know they have, have it's like self denial. Kind of, yeah, they're they're <laughs> denying their their like their actions and, and
1: like in their world they're perfect, right. so they can't see the wrong that they're doing, you know. But unless someone raised that concern or raised their awareness.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I think just going back to what you're saying, Liz, like I, I agree with Minya. Yeah, these things, these things are being said, I think, in these quote unquote clan meetings. But isn't it also just really fucked up though that like women have to have a male purse spokesperson speak up for her on her behalf? That's just ridiculous to me. Like of I also course. think that she should be stupid that they need that clan. Right. Meeting. Like she should be willing and able to speak up on her own and to pro- project and profess, you know, whatever need it is that she needs, right? Or whatever demand is that she has, like, my partner is abusing me, I want to leave the relationship, I'm going to divorce him. Like, why does there need to be a clan meeting discussion? Why does there need to be a spokesperson for her? She should be able to walk away whenever she needs to. You know, she yeah, should, no, yeah, just be like, hey, y'all, I'm
1: leaving. Bye. And like, I don't need to explain my reasons to my whole family, to the whole family tree, people who don't even know our business about our business, nor do I want to. You know, it's like it. A woman should feel empowered enough to be like, "Hey, I, this isn't working out for whatever reason it may be. Maybe I just don't love you anymore, or maybe you're a piece of shit who beats me. You know, like I should be able to walk out when I feel like it without all these repercussions." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I mean,
2: so, I would say I think some families have allowed their daughters to do that, but not all, and I think that's that's a problem. But the 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 thing that pushes up against us is that. Obviously, now we, we live in, in a society where, um, you know, we have like laws that, um, you know, like if you marry illegally uh, within U.S. law and you can also get a divorce. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of, um, you know, elders are like afraid of that and like they shun that. But like in some ways, this has been a great opening for Hmong women who are
3: like, hey, like I'm over it. Like I am
2: mm-hmm. getting a
3: divorce, right? Well, so I, I think we – I, I want to be careful when we use the term empowered – um, sure. to walk away, right? Because it takes about seven to eight times yes. for mm-hmm. a woman yeah. to leave in a sure. relationship, right? I, I think I think we need to frame this by saying like we need to create that environment where it is okay for a person to leave without feeling like they're gonna be killed right. if they leave mm-hmm. or feeling like they're going to be um to not start not be able to start a new life on their own financially, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. else on their mm-hmm. own, right? So I just kind of want to be careful about how we frame like use this term empower because it is really hard to leave an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Again, it takes seven or eight times. And for mom and woman, when we talk about uh, leaving abusive relationships, maybe it's easier for the younger generation maybe not though uh, or too. I feel like for an older mom women, it's so hard to leave an abusive mm-hmm. relationship because you've been married for so long. Right. They value the culture so much and that. And they also worry who's going to marry them when they yeah. when they pass away, right? It's usually the the uh, the husband's family who will be doing that. But ma- I can speak for myself like as a younger mom, woman who is college educated, I'm going to be like, fuck that. If I'm not gonna, if I don't want to be with you, then I'm going to use the legal divorce system to divorce your ass. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's like, but I feel like I have more options in terms of that, Mm -hmm. not including all of the fear and the consequences. Right. But, but so I just kind of want to be mindful of, you know, maybe like the different options that people do have depending on the generation. Yeah, that's
0: absolutely right. Right. Like varying generation levels, we have varying options, but uh, I think just in terms of like, you know, what Liz was saying, like, I, I we have to create the culture where I feel like women shouldn't have to need to go back to the clan system. But that is maybe that is the only option for older Hmong women, right? To, to sit down with their clan leaders and hope that they'll, you know, get through their husbands to stop abusing them.
2: I was just saying, then how do we, you know, how do we create that, right? Like, right. where. So-
1: So what are viable solutions to domestic violence in the moon community? I mean, what can we do? What can a person do? And how do we confront this? And I know we mentioned it throughout our conversations, you know, and it's just little things that builds up and it's little things that make changes. You know, like we said, you know, families need to be more welcoming, you know, like if you do have a divorced daughter, you know, accept her back. I mean, your family reputation is not going to go anywhere, you know, it's like you'd rather pick that over a life, then I think you should re-question your worth of being a parent, you know? Like, I know that having kids, my kids are in my heart and my soul, and I would always accept them back. I feel like they're a part of me. I just couldn't see how a parent can pick something over their
0: kids. I mean, I think it's that culture that we've grown up then know right like the 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 cultural norms that we've been so conditioned to believe and internalize that it's like what liz was saying it's shameful it's bad like we we have to change that we have to change just that mindset and and i think if if men are going to be you know part of the solution and if they say not all men are bad then i really do think it starts with them speaking up because our culture is so patriarchal like in, in in order to influence other men, we need them to speak up and to to be like, stop abusing our wives, our your sisters, our daughters. I mean it's very simple and it's I mean it's easier said than done. But
2: No, I think that's fair. And I think I mean you're right when she talks about the generational differences and options. But I think that right in general, you know, we need the older Hmong men to be accountable and the younger mm-hmm. men as well. Right. Yeah. Because you know what we learned from Tong's experience, right? When they talk about him, like people making memes of him and making fun of him, right? Mm-hmm. And these were a lot of young guys who are really adept exactly. at using social media, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we teaching our sons and our brothers? You know who who are the future generation, right? Who are supposed to know more and be better, right? Like, why do they have this reaction? Maybe kind of like me, because we all grew up with these like you know subtle cues on like what is acceptable and what is right and you know, and, and and maybe part of it is just they haven't been challenged in the right way, right? And who knows? But it's to me, I was just like, oh my god, like, why are these young men saying this? Like, you know, don't they get it? And maybe they don't. Like, who who knows, right? Oh, right. Um, I thought growing up, the feminist was a bad word. I didn't understand what it really meant to be a feminist uh, until later, and I think a lot of people. Again, like not not just in our culture, but like there are a lot of like subtle social cues that you know maybe we need to unpack, um, and I think they they are acute in our community because we are so group based and social based. Mm. I've been seeing a speech therapist, pathologist, and I don't know. We were talking about something, um, but we were talking about children. She goes, I, "I don't know why we're talking about this." She's like, "Yeah, I guess you know the children is not." your child is not just your child, though, right? It belongs to the family, it belongs to the community, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's why in a lot of ways, like, maybe, yes, DV happens in every community, Mm -hmm. in every country. But there are certain things in the Hmong culture, the Hmong community that maybe are, like, stress factors. Like, because your relationship is you and your husband, but also, like, you're you're marrying into their family, right? It's all very group-based. And you kind of... It's not just the two of you, right? And and that's mm-hmm. that's like the hard part, right? And I think that gets to the part where we have to talk about like the whole community building norms and building an environment, like Minya said, to make it okay for people to leave – for women to leave relationships and also for men to be like, I need to let this woman go, right. right? Because for them too, it's
3: a failure if their woman leaves, right? It's part of their machoism and their manhood and their honor. Like I used to justify my dad's behaviors by saying – He's the breadwinner in the family. He's so stressed out. Mm. He has to earn enough money to take care of us 11 kids, right? Like I I always justify his actions, right? Because he's my dad. It's so hard to be like, like I, I think he's a good father. I don't think he's a good right. husband, right? And it's mm. a love-hate relationship. It's so hard for me to talk about this because – he is still my dad at the end of the day. And I still love him as the dad, but I know he is a horrible husband to my mom. And I used to justify his behaviors by saying, Oh, he's so stressed out. But you know what, my mom was freaking stressed out too, having to take care of us 11 kids and driving us to school picking Mm up, picking all of us up from different school activities and, you know, making sure that there was food at home. And she has so many stressors. And I can use mental health um, diagnoses as the reasons for abuse, right? But then Hey, my mom also has her own mental health diagnoses as well. So why is it that she's Mm, not abusing him and he's abusing her? So I don't know. Like it's so hard for me to be like, oh, it's these stressors and you know, and that contribute to people being abusers, which is true. But then why is it that men are still the the main perpetrators, right? And 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 I think that's why we need to reform, like reform cultural norms Mm -hmm. that reinforce patriarchy.
0: Yes. I echo all of that. I think it's redefining what masculinity means, reforming gender norms and gender roles in our community, right? Breaking patriarchal practices and changing our views on how we value and treat women, right? It it, it begins there, and then just in terms of how we change, you know, men and women's minds, right? Or, Or how we shift the community mindset. I really think it begins with our values, right? Like not valuing marriage at an early age so much, right? Not defining success as you know being a married person because we know that's like the ultimate identifier or quantifier that what makes you a mature, successful Hmong adult, right, is marriage. And just talking on that, I mean, why are we so
1: reactive to after a marriage fails? Why can't we be proactive and not force these people into the marriage or have Mm -hmm. other options? You don't have to be married. You know, why isn't that acceptable in the Hmong culture? Why is it always, oh, if you date a person for a long time, you have to get married or Mm -hmm. if you're young and you slept with that person oh you have to get married why is it always just marriage 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 i'm not saying that marriage is a bad thing i mean hey i've been married for 14 years but i mean that's not viable for everyone else and we should be able to open up that conversation be like hey they don't have to be married they don't want to because it's best for them
2: but yeah that's also on parents who are like oh my greatest like honor is having my daughter get married right or like having my son marry this beautiful like Like, Like, that is
0: part of the being proactive like i think this is Part of the solution, right? Yeah. Like changing, really shifting that mindset, and you know, teaching our older generations, new, upcoming, younger generations now, millennials like us, that marriage is not the only option. Right. And again, you know, trying to recognize our privilege here. Like I know for some people, that marry, marriage is sometimes the only option for some people to escape their current situation. But you know, I really do. I really do think it begins with just changing that mindset. Because, and I right. wanted to add
2: apart you know there's always a thing in the mong community where like the older guys want to marry the young girls and mm-hmm. Mona, because they're be virgins but also like that is just fucking gross more right but because the thing is right like the what part of like what happens right is that when you get older right maybe there are more issues in the marriage because the woman has matured and she understands her power right mm-hmm. and like this is like the man losing his control in the relationship yep. right and like that's why you know a lot of what you know what happens is that's we hear like of fucking the
1: situation predator mindset
2: yes right where where guys in college or in their 20s will be dating like 16 17 year olds because that's socially appropriate in our community like that's messed up Yeah.
1: It's a control so, issue again because they want to control, they yes, wanna
2: teach this person
1: to be yes, to be this perfect person because they haven't evolved or mature mm-hmm. enough to think for themselves. So they want to instill that control thing, and that's what's fucking wrong. You I
0: know? mean, and then that's exactly it, right? Like going back and educating our young girls and young men that I don't think you're at an age to talk about marriage when you're, you know, between the ages of twelve and sixteen or twelve and eighteen. <laughs> like for real, you're still growing up. Continuing the cycle of poverty, changing older men's mindset. Like, I obviously, not all changing older men's mindset
1: and just being proactive. Like, that's why we had all our past conversation podcasts. Like, not letting older men free yeah, their daughters, that, 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 right? Yeah. It. Like,
2: it's uh, not honorable to have some this older guy like marry your daughter.
3: I I I don't you know I kind of want to bring this back to like services to ending domestic violence right like I don't first of all I don't think there's enough money Mm -hmm. and um, or funding and services for women who are who are facing domestic violence and who want to escape these relationships right because Mm -hmm. I don't think there are enough domestic violence shelters that. Mm -hmm. Are specific mm-hmm. to yep. Asian American Pacific Islander communities, yep. especially mom, including mom women as well, right? Like, but especially them because they have big families. They have a lot yeah. of kids, right? It's hard. Like, it's I don't afraid. think there are enough AAPI shelters in the first place. And mm-hmm. then, you know, specific resources to mom women. I don't think that there's enough, like coming from a public health perspective, I don't think there's enough funding or priorities and Uh, prevention programs or prevention initiatives. Mm -hmm. And I think that we do need to teach young folks, whether they're, you know, young men or women, like what healthy relationships are and changing that attitude, especially for the young men, like shifting their attitudes about women and their ability to also stand up for other people when these situations do happen, right? So I think, you know, the the knowledge piece, the attitudes piece, and the ability to to not be bystanders in these situations, I, I don't think there's enough money in the prevention piece, um, let alone the like the services piece for for women who do go through domestic violence.
0: Snaps nice to that yeah, 1000%.
1: So what are some of these resources that are out there for women who do need it that we have? We understand that there's not enough, but I know there's got to be at least some, right? So if our listeners are listening in, where can they seek help, reach out, or what can they do for themselves?
2: I think as always, um, we are putting stuff in our resources page. You can always go there, but I think in kind of just putting together our stuff, we found there is a dedicated hotline, hotline for yeah. folks that's based in uh, Wisconsin, but anybody can call into it from anywhere and they'll have in-language support. Uh, the number is 877-740-4292.
3: And I think we'll um, try to list as many DV shelters specific to API women as much as possible on our resources webpage as well. So we'll we'll provide that as a resource for you all.
0: I think one important part of the being proactive and finding other alternative solutions, right, is um, about rest- restorative justice in relation to holding perpetrators accountable. How do we incorporate restorative justice? and also hold perpetrators accountable. For example, me and Nick talked about that a little bit in our conversation, right? Because we know the the law enforcement and those agencies are not always the best and first answers, right, to mm-hmm. our issues. And, or at least from what I have seen, like, you know, sometimes law enforcement does not always handle situations the best. And in some situations, right, I think like what you were alluding to, Manya, sometimes our perpetrators are people we still love. Mm-hmm. Like our our dads, our brothers. Like, how, but what do we do in those situations? Right.
3: I don't know, you guys. This is this is a hard question because. Yeah, I think it's like, hard. Yeah, like you, you love that person because they're related to you, whether that's your dad or not, mm-hmm. brother, cousin, uncle, whatever. But then you don't want to see them behind bars because that's not helping them learn that that behavior right. is not okay right so so i i find this hard and even when you call the cops in these domestic violence situation uh, violence situations i think oftentimes the cops have always been on the side of the perpetrator from my understanding it's so hard to prove that you were being abused in yeah. the first place so it's right.
0: even especially with domestic relationships right yes
3: yes narrative. and
2: i was gonna say it also gets confusing because sometimes like I, I know there are real cases where maybe like the woman like pushed the guy off her and he hit his head and then she gets arrested, right? Because the cops like – are like, well, clearly like he has an injury and you don't – you know, like so there's mm-hmm. – calling the cops is not always a guarantee and I know like, you know, people it's, – it's unclear to them too, right? Mm-hmm. Like who is the real perpetrator and so mm-hmm. it's – It's difficult, Um, And I think it it is hard, right? Because like you already have these ties. I think this is also why it's hard for some women to leave because this person is like the father of their Mm -hmm. children,
0: right? Or their main source of income or survival. All right. And,
1: um, you know, I think Hmong people try to do this by with those clan meetings, but it's not helping because there's no like structures, consequences and anything to help that, you know? And I mean, maybe we can hold better Um, restorative justice circles and stuff like that and implement those things. And that's like a teaching thing that we need. And I know for that, that has to be like a community-based
3: thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard because my thing is I've heard of a situation where the couple was um, fighting and one of the kids left to go get some relatives, right? And then when he came back, the husband had killed the wife and, and himself, right? So in that mm-hmm. situation, like, which should you have call the cops instead right. of going to your relative's house? Right. I don't know, and I think right. so. I, you know, I'm not advocating for calling the cops. I'm not advocating right. for hey, just right. calling your relatives, right? Like in that situation, you do what is whatever is right for you, but it's I don't know.
1: I I think it's a difficult question to answer all around. And, you know, like I said, I mean, that's how most people try to deal with it. And it has been working, as we can see. And calling the cops isn't fit for every situation. But if you feel like there's a life that could be threatened, then I would say go ahead and call, you know, I mean, at least you can try or so. But what we really need to do is just to prevent these situations from happening in the first place.
0: I guess from the policy perspective, is there anything that folks should be aware of, or that they can maybe try to help ask their legislators to to act on to First support?
3: Of all, vote for people who will actually support women. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. because I wanted to mention the Violence Against Women Act. There was a challenge where it might not pass. Right, it's still it, Senate uh, it right hasn't now. Passed. So sorry, it passed the house ha- in the house. Senator McConnell it. sucks. So this is and why I'm America. like, friggin vote for people who will actually give fun, give mm-hmm. funding to the people that you care about to yourself. Yeah.
0: And, and yeah. Um, I mean, America? I was just going to say, I am to that, like people who actually support like all, all people, transgender victims, undocumented victims, like the, the Republicans wanted to strip that provision from the bill. And, and that's why it's Monica. What provision? Are you oh, talking so about? the violence against the woman act was reauthorized right in the house. Um, They passed it in April, but then it includes a new provisions protecting transgender victims and banning individuals convicted of domestic abuse from purchasing firearms and also included provisions to protect undocumented victims. But Mm -hmm. the Republicans wanted to take that provision out, which is why it's stuck in the Senate right now and why they haven't voted on it, because Mm -hmm. they don't want to support transgender um, undocumented folks. Right. And they think that it's uh, by firing uh, domestic abusers. From purchasing firearms, that it, it goes too far against people's second amendment rights, and I'm like, no, what the fuck? Why? Know, yeah, so my, my question I is why, why?
1: Because you know what? When you fill out for a lot of these job application, if you have domestic violence on your application, they won't even fucking hire you. So why would why why can't that be a prevention from I don't buying know. a gun? Okay, because people won't even hire these people. These people won't even hire these people. because <laughs> They don't the want the more from. Them. I bet you these Republicans, right? They wouldn't even hire these people. So why are they allowing them to buy a gun?
0: So it's, it's, it's like yes, get money. it's money returns from NRA. So oh, exactly, yeah.
1: that's all. It's all, expect- it's all about money.
0: What were you gonna say, Liz? To that piece. Because, so
2: another sticking point is also that they, this, this reauthorization closes the dating loophole. And so previously, um, you were only prevented from getting a gun if you if you have like a record with the, the mother of your child or like someone who you were legally married to. Mm-hmm. And so um, the problem is like then th- this way, like people who were just boyfriends or like stalkers who you have like no relation to, like there was no way to prevent them from buying guns. So this... This version also closes that loophole, which again, like, is cut would maybe cut down on gun sales, and the Republicans don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely have blood on their hands. I mean, because, and I'm, I'm we're, we'll link to this article in the resources too. But basically, even though crimes have gone down, um, intimate partner violence, so if guns have increased, mm-hmm. and again, like, domestic violence happens in every country and every community, but it's particularly bad in the United States because. We have such easy access to guns. Mm-hmm. Intimate partner violence with guns has increased. Like the women who have died recently in the monk community, they were shot by of their all partners.
0: The, ma- the majority yeah. of all the incidents, the murder suicides, I like looked and read all the cases. Like the majority of them were shot and killed by their perpetrators. Mm-hmm. They were, yeah, because all- it's yeah. so
3: easy DV, access to guns. I mean, this is why when I said there are not enough resources dedicated to DV. I mean, this is why the Violence Against Women Act need to be. Need to pass mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, to, for listeners who are not familiar with this act, like it started, uh, it was sent into law in 1994 and um, it allows uh, local and state governments to receive federal money to run programs that prevent domestic violence, sexual assault and dating violence. Right. So when I said, I mean, it, we need more funding in this area, like this is why legislation it's key to allowing these services to continue prevention programs to, con- to continue or to start as well. Yeah.
0: So people call your your senators, your legislators. And specifically, if there are any Hmong folks in New York, at least Stephanie was the one who was like, Democrats don't want to work with the Republicans over this bill. Fuck her. And you're out. <laughs> like, I don't wow.
3: know I mean, what's
0: in there, but like, both these fuckers out. Call your senators. Tell them to pass the bill. Say, are am <laughs> <doing> serious. <laughs> like, obviously, there are a number of other policy issues that we could probably take on, but man, this has no reason. This is, key, this y'all. is a bipartisan, yeah. like, supported budget legis- bill. Like, there are 22 exactly. Republicans who support this, so there's no reason why it shouldn't be passing in the senate like no reason at all.
1: All right guys, so what are like some other movements that our listeners can support if, you know, other than calling in, voting and doing that on the legisl- legislator side.
3: Oh, man, that's so hard. I don't know. I don't it's know so if i hard. It. It's so yeah. hard, but you know, I think my I guess my ask of our audience is to really extend your compassion to the women in our community, right? Because Mm -hmm. we live in such a patriarchal society and women are going to go through so much shit for the decisions that they make. Like, please support your sisters or mothers or aunts, cousins who are going through situations like domestic violence and really listen to them, hear them out, believe them when that happens. So really extend your compassion and your support to them and Mm -hmm. uh, put them first, right? So I, I guess for me, that's my ask, like really put the women first in these situations.
1: And that falls on all of us to change our community in the future. You know, maybe we didn't grow up in the best, but that doesn't mean that we can't have the best later on or have that for our kids. And it's always been a goal of every person is to be better than the last generation. And I know we can do that. We just have to step up Um, among men, just need to be great fathers, you know, great, great brothers, great husbands. We all need to do this. And it's a it's a thing we need to do together.
3: Thanks, Katie. That gives me hope. All right. So as we close
0: out, we'd like to end our conversation with um, having a moment of silence for all the victims that have been lost or um, who have endured domestic violence situations. And we want to remember them and take this moment to, to honor them.
2: Thanks, everybody.
1: As we wrap up, we also want to acknowledge that the most dangerous time for victims is when they decide to leave. So please stay safe, be prepared, and seek help if you need it. You know, we'll have some resources on our website. And like my Nia said earlier, it takes some people seven to eight times before they actually leave. And we know that it's dangerous. We're not asking any of you to up and leave right now and be put in danger. That's the last thing we want to do. We just want you to know that you are valued and you there. Have- of our options out there so you know just know that we're just here to encourage you to make the best choice for yourself
2: all right take care everybody we
1: love you and we're there with you
2: and we're ready for the hate comments yeah. okay guys <laughs> constructive comments please only everyone thanks everyone so feedback.